0: Another podcast only edition of the show as NFL football continues to kick us off the air. And actually, right now, I'm probably at Gillette Stadium. You would be. Right. If it was the actual time that Spooky South Coast would be airing. So I feel like John Teeter, the time traveler here. So say,
1: are you looking at time warp? What's going
0: on? uh, Where in the world is Tim Weisberg? Messes me up very much. Uh, We'll have to see if um, Rockapella can make a song up about that.
1: Right. Since you're at Gillette, let's hope that the Pats are winning.
0: And that the food was decent. Right. So, you know, uh, I always send you pictures you of do. my meal at Gillette Stadium. It's a tradition now. It has. It's become a thing. And uh, my buddy Nick, who covers the games with me for the mm-hmm. Standard Times, he actually went down to the Jets game uh, a couple weeks ago, and he said they served filet mignon. What? He said the, game lo- the food lo- level game at, at, in New York mm-hmm. is, like, way up here compared to the patriots and which is pretty funny cuz the football goes the opposite direction. You know, the patriots are a much better team than the jets. Right. So. But whatever. You have know, to put the in a, is a free meal. I don't care. Right.
1: Put, put in a little request.
0: Just give me hot dogs, I'll be happy. <laughs> Especially if they're Gary's best hot dogs, which we can promote I love on the Gary's podcast. They are very good.
1: I've been eating those hot dogs for 26 years. <laughs> and,
0: and speaking of hot dogs, uh, we, n- neither one of the wieners are here. Matt Costa or Matt Moniz, although I Matt like Matt Costa may pop in uh, because he's working down the hall, but he might pop in for a little bit. Uh, we are going to talk tonight with Mark Arvella. He is the uh, one of the founders of the Massachusetts Ghost Hunters Paranormal Society. That he is, and he is also one of the organizers of the upcoming Salem Con. So we're going to talk with Mark about uh, the convention itself and about his work in the paranormal and a little bit about Salem, too, uh, which is you know. On everybody's go-to list of places to check out.
1: There's so many different topics that we could cover with Salem alone, never mind the con.
0: I assume you've been there before. I have
1: been there before, and it's probably one of my favorite places ever.
0: I love the history of it. I love the feeling. I love the atmosphere.
1: There's nothing like walking around Salem in the fall.
0: And you've got to love a place where you can go, and not you personally, but right. in general, but a place where you can go, and you're not the only weirdo there.
1: I know. Isn't that fantastic?
0: And, and some of it gets really weird, it like does, beyond yeah. what I uh, what I want to do weird.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Especially if you go in the Halloween season, you'll I've never see. been during Halloween. Really? Yeah. Alright, We're going on a field trip this year.
0: All right. Well, we will. And but we're also going to be at the Salem Con. Uh, I'm one of the speakers. I'm going to try and drag you up there and get the Spooky Crew to to come out and check it out because oh, it's be great. You've you've never experienced uh, uh, y- you know you haven't experienced a true paranormal event. Unless you've seen Jeff Belanger when he's off the clock. Right. You know, when he can just let his hair down and, and not be the one organizing everything. and just That's when you really get to see him, uh, see him shine. And we'll get a few beers in him as well during the VIP That party. should
1: be interesting. I've seen the true Jeff Belanger, but not many people have.
0: Yeah. It's, it, and, of course, uh, there's a great lineup of speakers. We'll get into all that coming up uh, with Mark. But before we do that, why don't we get a little bit weird?
1: All right. First up, we have huge fireball lights up East Coast. Did you get to see this, Tim? No. The the video on the news? No. It's definitely strange. Um, The video is actually labeled Meteor Over New Jersey. Um, Fox, New York is where this article comes from. But it says people along the south, uh, South Coast, we saw it in the South Coast, but people along the East Coast reported seeing a bright fireball in the skies on Monday evening at about 635 p.m. the american meteor society says it received more than 330 reports the fireball was seen from montreal canada to maryland and delaware peter check captured the video the specific video that i'm discussing now of a fireball on a dash cam as he drove near i-287 and the route 10 interchange one person in new hampshire reported seeing flames A person in Sicklerville, New Jersey, reported that they were driving in their car and they were not sure if it was a fireball or a spent firework because of what they saw. Peter Chuck captured the video of the fireball on a Garmin camera as he drove near I 287 and the Route 10 10 interchange. Say that three times fast. In Hanover. Um, They're still taking reports for this, and there's still no uh conclusion as to what it could have been, what it was. It definitely couldn't have been a firework if everybody saw it along the whole entire East Coast.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at the uh, at, at the video here now, and, and it's it's crazy. I it, mean, uh, part of it is the problem is this computer is moving very slowly and how it loads up the video, but... Right. Uh, and, and I don't want to watch commercials. I just tried to reload it on a different screen and keep I mean, showing the ads, but...
1: It could have been a meteor, but to be seen... That wide of a range? I don't know. What do you think it could have been?
0: I don't know, because it looks like it's kind of um, like oscillating a little bit as it's mm-hmm. moving down. Uh, but there's there's definitely numerous different pieces of footage for it. It's not just one right. camera shot. I mean, uh, a lot of people caught it.
1: Uh, yeah.
0: I mean, uh, I don't know.
1: It's really weird. Next up in weird, I'm sure you saw this on the news. 51 years after accident, 7-inch car part found in this guy's arm.
0: This is the uh, the turn signal, was mm-hmm. it? Or, yeah.
1: Um, it's been reported that Arthur Lampett of Granite City, Illinois, smashed his 1963 Thunderbird into a truck 51 years ago. This week during surgery in suburban St. Louis, a 7-inch turn signal lever from that T-bird was removed from his left arm. It took a... 45 minutes for the operation he's now 75 years old and he's recovering at home after having it removed um a decade or so ago his arm had set off a metal detector at a courthouse and an x-ray showed a slender object the length of a pencil but it caused no pain or miss uh you know hardship or anything like that so the doctors had told Lampett to just let it be he was moving concrete blocks a few weeks ago when the arm began to hurt for the first time after that, it started to get bigger and swell, and the arm actually started bulging. So he went in to have surgery, and they initially didn't even know what was in the arm before they got in there. When, once they got in, they took out the um, the 7-inch turn signal. He, they actually thought or speculated that it could have been a piece of medical equipment that was left in his arm from the emergency room back in 1963. But... He actually unearthed a collection of old photos of the mangled Thunderbird taken by a friend at the scene, and he noticed himself that the metal blinker lever was missing from the left side of the steering column. He figured that was it, and the surgery confirmed it. So, it, it how strange.
0: Yeah, it wasn't like uh, the turn signals we have now, where it's just like a little plastic stick right. coming out of the side. I mean, this is like a big hunk of metal that's actually yeah. bent.
1: you if- it is then if you look at the pictures. I don't know how you could live with that in your arm. Yeah, how would you be able to move years. your arm
0: and you know and have total flexibility and total range of motion? Yeah,
1: the the doctor said that a protective pocket actually grew around the lever.
0: That's really gross.
1: It is really gross. So no I thank also you. thought
0: it was a little bit strange that uh, you know it's it has to do with a turn signal and his name is Lampet. Yeah. So yeah.
1: just adding to the weird
0: Absolutely. And, uh, you know, he, he looks pretty happy in the photo to have it out of his arm. He does. So I'm, I'm sure that, uh, you know, now going forward.
1: That's a weird piece of uh, memorabilia, I guess. <laughs> he said he might make a necklace or a keychain out of it.
0: Well, there you go. It just shows you how quickly your, your medical fortunes can turn.
1: Yes. Ha, 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 ha. Right. see what you did there. <laughs> Next up. This this is a little controversial, a little strange, and definitely made headlines everywhere. This is out of Providence, Rhode Island. And I'm sure you've heard this story, Tim, already. Hasbro to replace penis shaped Play Doh toy. This is big news everywhere. Oh,
0: my God. We talked about it uh, on New Year's Day on, on WBSM. And yeah, it was, you know, people were already up in arms about it. And it looks like what they say it looks like.
1: It definitely does. Um,. I did see that they already changed the, the the prototype, of what they they had, to look if, different. If
0: you want them to, yeah, you can request them to send you the new one. But the other one, it looked like a penis.
1: It definitely looked like a sex toy. I will give them that. Um, we
0: can we can kind of say whatever we want because it's podcast. So what are we talking about?
1: We're doing weak and weird right now, and. Yes. um... The title of this story is Hasbro to Replace Penis-Shaped playdoid. Matt, Play-Doh. I saw that. Just say,
0: penis, pe- just say Play-Doh Penis right now. Play-Doh Penis. Yes, your microphone is on.
1: <laughs> Fantastic. Is it over the air
0: right now? No, it's not. But right. we talked about it on WBSM. So if we can talk about it there, we can talk about it on Fun 7. Except well. we have to use the Fun 7 voices when we do it. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen the story where Play-Doh actually inserted a penis into the set? <laughs> I'm it not, was not sure i comfortable with penis. the way that you
1: said penis. There's two...
0: I need a windscreen so I don't <laughs> pop my piece
1: pop when it
2: I say pe- penis.
1: Play-Doh penis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God.
0: Well, the funny part about it, though, is it's a Play-Doh penis for making cake. Isn't that weird? Yeah, it's a cake decorating set. Like, who looked at it and said, you know what this cake needs? Dick. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, it. I don't know. I, I mean, when you look at it, that's what it looks like. There's no mistaking anybody who is packaging that toy. No, even who the freaking the swirls
1: design, that go around it. Yes, like really.
0: Is there Thank a for her pleasure? There's no swirls around my penis. Well, should there be? <laughs>
1: I'm not sure, <laughs> but I think uh, it
0: does smell like Play-Doh, though.
1: I, <laughs> <laughs> what
0: color does it come out though? That's the question. Podcast only.
1: <laughs> Podcast only version. <laughs> News alert: Matt Costas' penis smells like Play-Doh. <laughs> right now, there's thousands of
0: women listening. <laughs> Uh, on the podcast yep. saying, I don't care. <laughs>
1: right. I can't wait.
0: I still don't care.
1: <laughs> anyway. So, no, obviously real life ones do not. But, I mean, speaking from somebody that's been in a sex toy store twice in my life and not for myself, um, don't sex toys have like all kinds of weird stuff on it like that? It looks like it. they compared, actually, did you guys see the memes of like the comparison of real sex toys to that? No. It looks exactly like it. There's no uh, who in their right mind developing that piece of equipment didn't say to themselves, "Gee, this looks like a penis."
0: Well, what I want to know is why they don't make a, a Play-Doh set where you make a Play-Doh penis. Like, why didn't they already <laughs> like an come adult up with that? version? Yeah, well, yeah. Like, why don't? Why isn't there like you know Play-Doh make a man?
1: Um, there are also memes out there because they replaced this piece of equipment with a new one that's not see-through, doesn't have the swirls on it, and is yellow and green. And it, it looks like a I, vagina. It looks like a uterus, yeah. Does it really? Yes, I swear to God. I did.
0: I saw that. It, it does look like... A, not that I've seen a uterus, physically. Well, you like, can't physically. see one,
1: but you can see a yeah. model of a uterus. Now yes.
0: has just effing with us now. Right. That's...
1: It's... They just can't win at this point, and they, they you have <laughs> to know what you're doing. So... That is
0: uh well. My favorite part, though, is when they first addressed it. They were deleting people's comments. Were like, they? Oh, don't remind people that it looks like a dick. Like that was kind of like what? How do you cover that up? Than address it. Well, usually you just put on underwear and then nobody oh, put a bug in front of it. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: I also, mean. <laughs> <laughs> we would have also accepted uh, a jockstrap as a correct answer as well. I'm
1: not used to this. I'm trying to censor myself and
0: see. If you're like us, you can just freely go back and forth between. I'm the trying two.
1: to behave. We'll see. I have right. such a bad potty mouth that. I think I drop the F bomb constantly, so I'm constantly trying to tell myself, "Don't do it, don't do it, don't do it." <laughs> and now I can do it.
0: She just types it, right? Like when, <laughs> like she'll just like, "What the fuck?" Like I do. A show.
1: So. I do. It's bad.
0: Wh- whatever works, and we'll actually, uh, you know, we'll we'll try and do more of these shows coming coming up. But uh, right now, why don't we get into the discussion uh, with our guest tonight? All right, now joining us on the line from the uh, mass ghost hunters paranormal group we have mark Arvella. hello mark how are you
2: i'm fantastic guys
0: how are you uh we're doing pretty well thank you for joining us by the way for this podcast only edition as we try to fumble our way through the technology to be able to bring a spooky south coast to the airwaves well to the podcast waves anyway
2: <laughs> no worries at all thank you for having me
0: well see this is uh this is old hat for you guys though because when you guys broadcast you know you're you're going through what, what do you use blog talk for your show
2: yeah, correct. That's exactly what we do. We go right through Blog Talk, and it links up to DTM Wicked Radio.
0: And so, uh, for, so for Paranormal Hangover, you're used to having to deal with technical difficulties, I'm sure, because, you know, you, you're dependent on the Internet technology to be able to get that show going.
2: I think we have yet to have a show go off without some technical difficulties, so, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's uh, it's kind of par for the course, but that's, you know, we at least expect here, when we're broadcasting here, because it's a real, say, a quote-unquote, real station, we expect uh, things to be pretty smooth, but the problem is we have ideas that they just haven't been able to match up yet with the technology here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's something that uh, I, I feel for you on the podcast side of everything and happening with Blog Talk. But uh, you know, it's it definitely sounds like things are going a lot smoother for you than uh, than they could be. So that's the good news.
0: <laughs> so how long now? You guys have only been doing Paranormal Hangover for a little while, right?
2: We started Paranormal Hangover back in June of this past year and, uh, we've been less than a year and our listener base started at about 3,000 people and has grown to our last show was 21,300 something.
0: Wow. That's, that's overall listens or is that live listeners while the show's on? That's live listens while the show's on and then it rebroadcasts on iHeart
2: and obviously, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's there for, for the taking for a podcast.
0: Now, if you told a a regular terrestrial station that you can have a show with paranormal topics and they can get 20,000 people listening to the show, you know, especially, you know, broadcasting in the evening hours like you guys do, you're on Wednesdays at 6, is that right?
2: Seven o'clock now. 7 o'clock. It used to be at six. They haven't updated the website even though i they keep saying, Yeah, we did it. It's not. It's still six o'clock there, but it's seven o'clock on Wednesdays.
0: So if you told the terrestrial station you can get that kind of listenership for a paranormal show at you know in that time of night, they'd be like, Yeah, all for it. So it just shows that the uh you know, the internet is certainly gaining in popularity, especially for this genre.
2: It really is. And you know, I think it has to do a lot with the fact that most of us live our lives on our computers when we're doing evidence review and mm-hmm. Looking, looking at videos and listening to EVPs. So it doesn't take a lot for us to just click over to a website for an hour and listen to a podcast or, or a live show and then click back over to what we were doing.
0: Yeah, I think that's part of the, the problem, uh, the disconnect for a lot of the older generation is they don't realize that this is something you can do while you're doing other things. So it's not like you have to devote uh, an hour or two hours of your life to listening to, the, to a paranormal show. It's something that you'll just be doing in the regular everyday aspects of your life.
2: Exactly. That's exactly it. And it seems to be with a lot of things that we do, uh, even promotions with websites and and Facebook and and all the social media that's out there, there are so many avenues for us to to get our voices heard and and our thoughts out there that, you know, like you said, the the old-timers, if you will, are are so driven by, you know, face-to-face, hand-to-hand. And a lot of that is done now for us all on the web. And it's, it's real simple. And, God, I have... You know, four or five thousand Twitter followers. I can't tell you who thirty eight hundred of them are.
0: <laughs> right, but then the other, you know, the other remaining twelve hundred, you've personally met in person because you guys yeah. seem to know everybody. But <laughs> but that's kind of the the difference, though. And that's when you look at the old guard of the paranormal compared with you know the new blood. You can see that line of differentiation between the two because the old guard, you know, the Lloyd Hourbacks and the the John Zaffises, these are the people that they only really met other investigators. Through face to face, hand to hand, you know, interaction, and with us, we can actually talk freely every day, like we're old friends, without ever having to meet somebody face to face.
2: It's it's real true. Um, that's very very true because I, I can't I can't even begin to tell you that when I first started doing this that it was something for me to to go wow I, I get to go on Twitter say and and see somebody like uh, just a name Zach Bagans tweet something. And then all of a sudden, hey, I just happen to comment, and it gets retweeted. And next thing you know, 100 people retweet it, and then you get 15 followers out of it. And then all of a sudden, your ideas start bouncing back and forth, and you know, here I am. I, I've been doing this now since I think it was 2000, yeah, 2011 is when I got involved in the paranormal, and now I'm having conversations with Tim Weisberg and David Roundtree and... Nick Roth and, and all these people that I couldn't even imagine on a, a, a terrestrial level that I would bump into and be able to have a conversation with. And it really does form friendships and, and you at least get an alliance that so you can have a great conversation and then say, hey, you know what? Hey, remember when we talked about this? Oh, yeah, I remember that. You can pick it up six months later and have that conversation
0: again. Hey, Well, I always say the same thing, man. Every, everybody in the paranormal, they put their pants on just like you, one leg at a time. The only <laughs> difference is their pants are really old, stained, and out of style.
2: <laughs> Mine are on, clean, like, thank you. Minute, John <laughs> Zappas will be at the show, and, and I hope his pants are not stained and out of style. He'll be at, at, uh, at our conference in, in April, so uh, I, I like Mr. Zappas' pants.
0: <laughs> yeah, his, his pants will be nice and clean, but he does still have the same sweaters since the 1980s. <laughs> love you, Johnny, love you. We're only kidding around. But th- that... I think that also creates, and and you probably have experienced this a bit too, being very social media savvy, it creates a lot of disconnect too from people to people because a a lot of the times it's easy to go after another group or it's easy to discredit somebody else's evidence when you don't know the team, when you've never met them in person, Uh, but then you'll see it happen all the time. There'll be two teams that'll be against each other or, or two investigators that'll be against each other online causing holy hell, but then what ends up happening when they meet face to face? You'll All those think. differences <laughs> melt away, and they realize that they have a lot in common. Mm-hmm. And these yep. dispari- uh, disparency- discrepancies uh, are actually really just in their mind more than anything.
2: It really is. Uh, you know, I talked with um, my buddy Dom, uh, Dominic Bouchard. You met Dom, I think, this past year up at uh, History Con mm-hmm. in Lake George. Dom is just such a really energetic, friendly, fun person to be around, and he's very contagious. When he gets near you, his smile, his laugh... You can't help but love the guy. Um, he's very, he when I first met Dom, he was very um, against, and I'm, I'm going to use this term very loosely right now, he was against um, any kind of provoking or uh, any kind of brash investigating. All this time later, several years later, after meeting people and conversing with people, he now has an open mind to say, hey, you know what, sometimes it just happens when you're on an investigation it could be the atmosphere that you're in that rubs you the wrong way, and all of a sudden your mood changes and you start to get a little aggressive and you don't mean it, but activity happens because of it. He understands that now. So it's exactly what you're talking about when you say, you know, at first you might you might butt heads with somebody, but then when you get face-to-face and you start talking with them, you go, hey, you know what, we really are the same. Our ideas were just a little different. Maybe we didn't have the right conversation online because you really can't, put emotion to words in a text message or in, in, a, in, you know, what is it, 140 characters on on Twitter? You can't do that. It has to be a conversation you have over the telephone, face-to-face, however it might be. Then you really get emotion involved, and you can say, hey, this person's pretty passionate. Let me hear what they have to say.
0: And another aspect to it uh, as well, and, and Stephanie, you've been involved with the field for a long time, but you were kind of somebody who was under the radar. You were doing a lot of this on your own for your own answers, right. but you find that when you have the chance to actually investigate with somebody and see their style and see the way that they approach things, and then you can start to talk theory. And when you see it put into action, that's how you can melt away a lot of the uh, differences as well.
1: Yep. And it, I think it actually goes the other way too. There are people that you love personally, you're great friends with, but you hate their investigating style or you you don't necessarily mesh well with others um, that you could have a complete you know, best friendship with on the outside. So I think it's just the difference of being humans and different per- personalities, different perspectives, everything.
0: But, but Mark, yeah. the difference is we're exploring it. We, we are just humans interacting with each other, but we're also exploring some pretty heady topics that go into the very root of what people are all about and what their personal belief systems are.
2: We, we really do, and, and, I, and a lot of what we do gets misconstrued as being religious. Uh, there's a lot of people that get involved in, you know, well, how do you know that this Catholic, you know, thing you're speaking of is going to rub well or go well with someone who might have been of Jewish faith? And why does this work? It has nothing to do with that level with what we do with religion. All we're doing is just trying to see what the next step is. What We we all know that, hey, we we are born into this world. We all know the beginning of life. We don't know much about the end of life. We don't know what happens when we pass away, after we pass away, or if that's what we're even talking to. Are we even interacting with spirits that have passed on? Are we, or are we just talking to pieces of energy or, or interacting with pieces of energy or a thought or there's so many open minds out there now about moving forward in this field with the idea of, hey, maybe it's not somebody who's passed away. Maybe this is something completely different that we have no understanding of whatsoever and we are going to have quite the ride trying to figure this out. A lot of people have been talking about para-unity, and if we're going to strictly talk about paranormal for a second, I used to, when I first started doing this, I heard a lot about what's called para-unity, and I was a firm believer that, yes, we can all do this. We can all hold hands and and really go forward with a para-unity in this field. I've changed my mind now. I don't think para-unity, as people think of it as everybody's got to be friends and everybody's got to get along, Listen, everything out there, Coke and Pepsi, they didn't have to be friends. Coke and Pepsi are doing the same thing, but they're competitors with each other. One has to be better than the other. I like Pepsi, you like Coke, whatever it might be. But they're both doing the same thing. Same with the paranormal, we don't have to be friends, but if we're trying to achieve the same goal, that to me is what paraunity is. If we are all on the same page and working towards the same end result, then it doesn't matter if you like me or you hate me or you think your team is better than me. As long as you're doing the same things we're doing, trying to get there, then you know what? unity can exist, and it works that way.
0: Yeah. I I, I said this week, and I I wrote about it, uh, I think on Twitter or on Facebook, somebody had brought up, you know, I asked what people wanted to see in 2015 for the paranormal, and somebody had brought up unity. and I said, listen, we don't have to get along. We just have Mm -hmm. to respect each other. And there's people that are, like like you were saying, there's people in the field that I don't want anything to do with, yeah. personally, but I will, you know, I'm not going to judge their work based on the way that I feel about them. There's been yeah. people that I couldn't stand that have come to Legend Trips events. Right. You know, like, there's been some people who have been outright obnoxious, and usually, yeah. you know, they're the ones that don't come back for another one, but, you <laughs> know, and, but at the same, like, I can't judge the way that I feel about their personality on whether or not they can have an experience and whether or not they can... Uh, lends something more to the question of, you know, what is going on here? What is this all about? So we have if we can put personalities aside, which that's the problem, we
1: can't. I don't think we ever right. can. It's the same thing as if you watch, like, take an MTV reality TV show, Real World or Jersey Shore or whatever. You stick everybody in the same room. You make them live together. They're never going to get along. Um, personalities are just too strong. But I think everybody should at least respect one way or another what everybody's trying to accomplish, which is yeah. at least fair, but...
0: But you just gave Mark and I a great idea for for a reality TV show. Did I? We're gonna have a paranormal real world.
1: As long as I get credit for it. Yeah, you, you, you give you like co-created <laughs> by.
0: But yeah, that's what we need to do. We need to put people all in the same room and make them get along. We have to take somebody who believes, somebody who doesn't believe, somebody who thinks it's all demons, somebody who thinks that it's all transdimensional beings, and put them all in one room and make them fight. I it could out. come up
1: with a cast right now. Well, uh, I was gonna say, or as we, we could or, make millions. I was gonna say, or as
0: we call it in the field, any paranormal group.
1: Right, pretty much.
0: Now you guys have a great group, though, with uh, with Mass Ghost Hunters Paranormal Society. You know, you guys have been at this for a couple of years, and it seems like you're all on the same page. And of course, you know, there's one investigator that you can't help but get along with, because if you don't, your life's going to be a living hell.
2: Uh, this is this is true. Yes, my my fiance Lauren is uh is deeply rooted in Mass Ghost Hunters Paranormal Society. Now, um, she and I met a couple of years ago at ParahistoryCon one, in a sense. We didn't actually sit down and converse, but that's where we sort of uh, cross paths. And it led to uh, mass ghost hunters investigating Fort William Henry, and from you know there, our business relationship turned into a personal relationship. And Lauren is now a very active member of Mass Ghost Hunters Paranormal Society, and uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. Because even if she wasn't my fiance, she's a fantastic investigator, and she's come a long way. And um, I, I put I put any one of the people who are in my group into anyone else's group, uh, and I would recommend them that way because they've all done it what I feel is the right way where you don't just go, Hey, I'm a paranormal investigator, put my t shirt on, let me go into your house and find <laughs> stuff out you know. <laughs> it's it's tongue in cheek now with the whole, you know, the t-shirt, all you need is a t shirt and you're a paranormal investigator. Is it's terrible. all tongue in cheek now. But <laughs> but let's face it, if we want to advertise ourselves, we all need the T shirts. So it's it's one of those things where everyone in my group has taken the time to do some research, to learn about the field, to learn the process to be respectful and to know that when you're going into, say, a, a person's home, you're not going in to run around and just gather evidence. You need to sit down and talk to the people first and find out what's going on with them, uh, What what is their state of mind, first of all. Is this all because of a the medication they're taking or is this because, you know, they, there really is a, a, a noisy spirit in their apartment flipping things over. Um, and then find out after you do all of that and, and, and kind of get a lay of the land, then truly find out what they want as a result of what you're about to do. Do you want us to cleanse the house? Do you want us to uh, just tell you what, what's going on and maybe give you some evidence to to sit down and, and just reaffirm what's happening for you? There's all kinds of things that instead of just saying, yep, we're going to come in, this is what's going on, see you later, I like to ask them, what do you want? What do you expect us to do for you? if we do find something, what's the next step? So that's something that I don't think a lot of teams get right away is, look, you're not just going in to do this because you saw it happen on TV. These are people who are reaching out to you because they need help and they don't know where else to go. They can't knock on their neighbor's door and say, I think there's a ghost in my house. Can you come in and help me? They need somebody who kind of has an idea of what to do or at least knows people who can do what they can't do.
0: Well, in terms of your team members, Uh, Was this, because sometimes with groups, sometimes it's a a, a feeling out process. Certain people will come in, certain people will go, and it takes a while to get a team with the right chemistry. Did you guys just hit the ground running uh, as a team, as an organization with the right people in place?
2: It's something, I don't want to say we hit the ground running. Uh, It started off with myself and my friends who were also part of the group, Amy and Jay Favaza, their husband and wife. And it was basically, hey, I, I have been watching the TV shows and I've really been curious and I know I had things happen to me when I was a kid and they had the similar interests and exper- experiences that I had. And we saw that there was an event out in Western Mass at the Houghton Mansion. And we said, why don't we go to that? Let's, let's go. Let's go check it out and, and maybe see what's happening. So we did. And from that moment, I walked away with, I bought a digital recorder, took it with me. And I walked away from that and sat down at home and put my headphones on and turned my recorder on, and I could not believe the things I was hearing. Even in an event atmosphere, it was a small event, but just knowing, because I'm I'm very, I'm very, I don't want to say analytical, but I'm very aware of my surroundings. And knowing, while I'm listening to this, where people were in the room, and who was in the room with me, and what their voices sounded like, and having that baseline of what was going on, and then hearing things, that weren't a part of that environment, that blew my mind. And I'm like, I want to do more with this. And we got together and said, we all want to do more with this. I, I I was touched my very first time out in the Houghton Mansion on my back. I, I was like, I wasn't scared. I was amazed. And that to me said, you know what, this is something I really want to get involved with because I was always curious. Now I'm hooked. But I also know that people out there have the same things happen to them that happened to me when I was a kid that aren't turning to anyone. And I want to be able to help them someday. So I started doing my research. Amy and Jay did the same thing. And we formed Mass Ghost Hunters Paranormal Society. And at first we strictly went out and I don't want to say recreationally did this, but we went to places that were quote unquote known haunts and we learned techniques and we practiced techniques and we did this without putting families in danger or, you know, not worrying about if we were going to stir things up and do things wrong for somebody we couldn't fix. And then once we felt comfortable with what we were doing, then we began to assist people we knew who said, hey, why don't you guys come to my house? Okay. And then it went from there. And, and then I added uh, my friend Mike Calante, who everybody in the group were all very close. I don't like to bring people in that I don't know. So everyone who's within Mass Ghost Hunters Paranormal Society, we all had friendships and curiosities that we trained upon and worked upon and I, I think we all bring something to the table that I, if anybody is a skeptic, it's probably me because I'm the one that goes no, it's probably this. Let's work let's look at the alternatives and, and rule everything out before we go with paranormal. So
0: Well, I, I'm sorry I got distracted there for a second because <laughs> I have my Facebook open and I had uh, I had mentioned you know what people want to see in 2015. And I just got a comment on that thread from Frank Sumption.
2: Isn't That's... that strange?
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you know what's going on with that? Is somebody else running his account, or?
2: Uh, well, I'll tell you. The other day on Scott Grunwald's wall, uh, there was a comment from Frank Sumption, and I posted underneath it. I'm like, wait, um, isn't? Or uh, er, and I was like, awkward. But I wanted to tread lightly. I looked into it. It looks like possibly the family is still continuing the
0: account. Okay. Yeah, that should just respond. It's Norm Sumption using his. Yes. account. Okay. Good. <laughs> Because <laughs> yeah. you know, we we always said that if uh, if anybody you know ever passes on and, and goes to the other side, reach back and make communication. And who was the number one guy who always said he would never do that? Mm-hmm. And that was Frank Sumption. He always said, "No, yeah. when I die, I'm not talking to any."
1: End of, <laughs> of always to yeah. communicate Facebook posts. I know.
0: He, well, he was more about Facebook than he was the boxes. So yeah, this is true. <laughs> but uh, you know, when when putting together the team now. W- you, of course, you're from the from the Gloucester, Mass. area. Were you from there originally? Is that is that where you grew up?
2: Yeah, I was uh, born and raised here. I, I left Gloucester for a little while and moved to Tewksbury, uh, but I'm back in Gloucester now. And, um, you know, who knows where my path will go from here, but it, it's someplace that I've called home for most of my life, and um, everybody but Lauren, uh, from who's in the group right now, is from Gloucester. So even if I left, I think I could probably put it into good hands that, it could continue in this area, um, but believe it or not, most of our stuff happens in central and, and western Mass. I'd say is where we get most of our, our calls to go.
0: Was there, uh, you know, was there a time when you when you first started coming together as a group? Where did you ever get overwhelmed with the amount of calls that you were getting and, and the people reaching out? Because it seems like there's a lot of cases to be found out there.
2: You know. There was a period of time, not so much now, thank God, because to be honest with you, with everything else that we're we're working on, it's kind of nice to have a little bit of a lull, but there was a a time where it seemed like, okay, just for everyone's, I'm going to say this right now, I know some people don't like the term ghost hunter, so the fact that ghost hunter is in our name, even though we all go, ooh, paranormal investigator, people know the term ghost hunter. People who watch TV know the term ghost hunter. It's no mistake that when I created the name Mass Ghost Hunters Paranormal Society, I put in, if somebody was going to Google something, my group's probably going to pop up because everything you could Google is in the name.
1: (laughs) it's a great marketing tool.
0: And and that's the problem is like when when the average person is going on to Google to find a team, they're not looking up paranormal investigation team, you know, paranormal society. They're looking up ghost hunters, like you said, and it, it... it also lends an idea of even though you might not follow the same procedures or, or investigate the same way that TAPS does, and if you do or you don't, you know, it doesn't matter. The fact is there's that comfort level. There's that familiar, familiarity people will have already with what you do. So they'll say, okay, well, I think that TAPS is serious when I see them on TV, so I'm going to assume that this group is as well.
2: Exactly, and and that's something that I like to at least put people at ease, too, and I tell everybody when, I, when we first engage people is, listen, we're professional. We do things a certain way. We ne- right, the first thing on, t- on our website it is if you need help, this is you know this is where you contact us. We never charge. Our services are free, and I think that surprises a lot of people because you go, oh, really? You don't charge? Well, how do you make money? It's not my job right now. This is not my money maker. We're doing this to help people. How could I possibly say to you, I'll come to your home for whatever number? $50, 100 $150 and investigate, and A, I'm either going to feel obligated to tell you that there's something going on so it looks like I have value, or B, I'm going to manufacture something so that you go, oh, these guys are great. I'm glad I paid them $150 and tell everybody that it's worth it. It's not going to happen. I'm going to come to you, and I'm going to be truthful and honest, and if you're not happy with what we tell you, there are 4 million other groups out there that you can try and contact and I really do find that sometimes there are people that as bad as they say that quote unquote we are sometimes with the stuff that we do and whether we're truthful or not I've run into quite a few clients that will just pass you over because they want to hear what they want to hear and they want to find out what they believe is happening and if sometimes you tell them I'm sorry I have a different opinion of what might be going on in your home no, you don't know anything. I'm going to find a group that's going to tell me what I want to hear.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And, it's, and it, like you said, you get that familiarity with TAPS and, and the ghost hunters, and you, and you really get that feeling that well, maybe this group might be right. And that's why I try to keep a record and a log. And, and I, I can with confidence say that if I had a client that said, yep, they can call me, and I do have some that say, yep, they can call me if they need a reference, I have clients that will do that. We have people we've helped and continue to work with who are more than happy to talk to other people and say, these guys are great. They came in and, you know, we're very professional. And, hey, you know what? They didn't find anything, but I feel much more comfortable now.
0: Well, see, that's what's so great about Paranormal Hangover, having the success that it does, is now you can start investigating and not charging for the investigation, but there's a $1,000 personal appearance fee just for you to be there. (laughs) See? That's how it works. (laughs) You know...
2: (laughs) That, that's a great idea. I think I'll start that. Let me just uh, throw that on there. We don't charge to come in, but if you want Mark and Lauren there.
0: <laughs> yes, and uh, and you'll sign anything they want you to sign, you know, posters, photographs, body parts, whatever.
2: Tim, I am not even close to being that part of the paranormal yet. I am so far away from that, and I don't know if we will ever get there, but I'm just happy to do what we do and, and have fun with a radio show on Wednesdays.
0: Hey, just remember, you know, people are only going to pay for your autograph if you put it on a table and tell them that it's $20. <laughs> I mean, really, that's that's, very true. thats how you see the dividing line with people. It's like you see those who are sitting at a table at a convention and signing for free and those who are charging. And the people who, you know, they see somebody that's charging and they say, well, he's charging $20 for his autograph. He must be somebody.
1: It's right. all about psyching people out. It's <laughs> yeah. true. It's its a great way to completely, you know, market yourself even if you're a nobody.
2: I see, and I, and I have a lot of friends in the field, and I'm sure I have a couple of enemies, but I see all too often people that I go, who are they? Why are they at, at a con- What I don't know who this person is. Why are they here? Why are they a quote-unquote celebrity or talent at this? I don't understand what that is, and I'm not trying to knock anybody that I might know right. who's in that category, but... I just there. There are people that I go. Who, who is this person, and, and why do they have an agent, and why are they getting paid to, to come and speak and, and talk about something? I, I don't know who this is, and and believe me, I feel like I know who a lot of people that should be known are. And I'm not saying celebrity wise, but I'm talking you know like the Hans Holzers and and you know the Ed and Lorraine Warrens and, and whoever you want to walk down the line with. I feel like I know who those people are not because they were celebrities because of what they contributed. And that's what I, who I want to go see. And that's one of the things that I'm not, sorry if I jumped the gun a little bit. One of the things when I went ahead with planning this conference with Lauren in April was that I said, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to bring in a lot of people that I don't feel are going to contribute to where it's going to be. And that's a reason that I asked you to be there. And we asked, you know, Jeff to be there, and John. And there's a, no mistake that there's a lot of people from this local New England area that are in this conference, and it's because of where it is. And you all contribute something in this area, and that's why I wanted to have you guys sit there as part of Salem SalemCon.
0: Well, I mean, and well, thank you for having me. And, uh, and that's the thing about having these conventions is, you know, originally a convention, uh, you know, when people are serious about a field – whether they're doctors, whether they're lawyers, insurance salesmen, financial advisors, whatever they may be, there's always conventions where they get together, they have workshops, they share ideas, they socialize, they network, but at the same time they also learn. And I can't imagine that there's too many, you know, medical conventions where the doctors go there and there's celebrity doctors sitting at a table selling T-shirts with their faces on them and autographed <laughs> pictures. But because of the attention that's being paid on the paranormal right now, that aspect also exists. So a paranormal convention is a hybrid of an actual academic convention and a Comic-Con. So it's like kind of like a, a melding of the two. But yeah. you have to have that learning aspect too right. to make it worth the time of. And you see, you'll see it, Mark. I mean, I know that you've done a lot of conventions too. But you'll see it in in running the convention. You'll see the difference between the groups of people that are coming. You're going to have people that are there to meet the celebrities. You're going to have people that are there to learn something. And sometimes those two audiences don't really uh, mix too well. But sometimes you do get the people that are right down the middle and, and want to experience both.
2: Yeah, exactly. And that's I expect that. And um, that's one of the reasons that I'm really. I'm looking forward to this convention because I wanted to keep the price of the daytime activities, the lectures, and the conven- convention floor itself, if you will, the vendor area, the ticket price so that's 10 bucks. I want the public to come in. I want people from Salem walking around going, what do we do now to see that they can, for $10, which I dare you to find something else in Salem you can get into for $10.
0: Right. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: For $10, I can go in and listen to, you know, Tim Weisberg talk or John Zaffis talk or Dustin Parry or Jeff Belanger or Brian Kent, I can go in there and meet these guys and hear what they have to say and maybe not necessarily hear them talk about haunted collective per se, but what their ideas are and what they do and what their job in the paranormal is or what their philosophy is or, or thoughts that they have. And you know what, for 10 bucks, if I come in and hear John Zaffis talk about, Demonology, or just investigative techniques, or whatever it might be, and then at the end I can maybe ask them a question about haunted collector. I think I've fulfilled both things. So well,
0: and as an organizer too, you've also done a great job of uh, uh, picking people who are more than happy. To answer any questions people have, and we'll interact with people on a one on one basis. So it's not going to be a matter of, yeah, you're spending $10 to get in, and you're going to hear them speak, and that's the only interaction you'll have with them. You know, you're dealing with people who are just, these are just all around great guys. You know, I'll throw myself into that mix only because. You know, everybody else is so good, it'll just up my game a little there bit. There you go. Normally, I'm just a cynical asshole, and well, I won't be a... I
1: did say earlier, when I grew up, I want to be Tim Weisberg, so... I don't know
0: why you would say something. <laughs> it's the beard. It's the awesome beard.
1: It's obviously the awesome beard.
0: But yeah, I mean, that's the great thing about it. They're all nice people. They're all going to be more than willing to go that extra mile to make sure that the people who come to this event... And, and it's not even, it's, it's not even uh, a, a thing that they try to do. It's just who they are as people. They just have that right. natural ability to, to just connect with folks. When
1: I personally saw the lineup of the um, – well, actually, the whole entire um, poster. Actually, you did a really good job with that. I like the, the background and everything. It's very appealing. Um, but I saw the people that were going to be headlining, and I thought to myself, wow, what a bunch of down-to-earth – regular, nice guys, you know, that are going to be there instead of, you know, you normally see the posters like, oh, that person's on TV, so that's why they're doing it, you know, right. things like that. But I really, I think all those people have something important to bring to that conference, and I think it's going to be a really good time.
2: Yeah, I, I, I agree, and it's not just because, you know, Lauren and I are running the conference.
1: So. <laughs> well, <laughs> the, the hard part though was going to be on Friday night
0: at the <laughs> VIP party when we all start drinking and then the egos come out. Uh,
2: uh.
0: <laughs> That's when we really have a problem. And, and I'll never forget Tobin last year at, at Para History Con. uh He remembered from when I was on Spooky South Coast ranting against ghost bait. Apparently, I, I went off on a rant on the air about how terrible of a show it was and Uh-oh. how it was horrible to put somebody in this. You know, I was like, I don't care if they take that Billiam guy and they put him in the dark with a bag over his head. But they put the homeowner in there. And that's ridiculous. And I ranted against it. So at one point, I'm just standing there at the bar at, at History Con 2. And, and Tobin comes over to me. He's like, Tim, I want to introduce you to somebody. Uh, this is Bob McGill from uh, from, uh Ghostbait. And uh, Tim was the one that was uh, ranting against your show on Spooky South Coast. Oh, my God. And he did it, but he did it because he knew the way that it would be received by Bob. He knew that we'd all have a laugh over it once, you know, you get over that initial awkwardness.
1: There must have been a little bit of sweat. Just before that happened,
0: a, I looked at him kind of like, John, I thought we were friends here. Right. <laughs> but, you know, you could just tell that, like, he knew that that was going to be the reaction that, you know, would be a way for people to get past that. You know, and what
1: though, about you, you're very honest. And it's not like you're saying something on the air. If these people ever hear what you say, it's your honest opinion. It's oh, how yeah, you and I'll feel, tell them after so. their face. Absolutely. So it's not really yeah. a big deal, but I think it's kind of funny that that happened.
0: It was funny. And, and it, like, we ended up talking for hours. He, right. he was a great guy, and he even said, he's like, listen, you know how it is. It's right. what, what you put into the show isn't always what you see on the other side. And, and that was the, the cool thing about, about these conventions, Mark, is you know you can take all of that stuff, the media aspect of it, you can compartmentalize it and just connect with these people one-on-one.
2: Yes, and that's and that's something that I took away from, uh, you know, you mentioned John Tobin. I took away from PhD one the Parahistory Con 1, uh, a couple of years back, in the same location up in Lake George, New York, when I was there that first time as I don't want to say a, a green pea, but here I am just thinking I'm doing my thing and how cool I am, and uh, maybe I'll get a second to talk to this person. I had a series of videos that, that we put up um, that my friend Pete, who had come there with me, took the time to video with me. I actually had the opportunity to take John Zaffis aside and ask him some questions personally on video, as if I was doing a quick five-minute uh, you know, uh, podcast or something with him, and he spent that time to do that with me, and Brian Cano did that. And just there were so many people that took those few moments of time to step aside from everything else that was going on and say, hey, i got I got time for you. What do you want to know? Blew my mind. And we've done a couple of events on our own now, and I've worked with John, uh, and Lauren and I have both worked uh, under Glory Han Hounds with John before he decided to close up shop for a little while. And while we were doing that, we learned a lot and made great friendships, and, you know, folk, folks like you, folks like Dave Schrader and, and Brian Cano and, and all these guys over, over time and girls, over time that we've made friends with, to now where we're starting to do our own events, I get to sit back and go, hey, I'm doing, or, or not just I, I keep saying I, but when I say I, I'm really talking about myself, right. Lauren, the group. We get to sit back and look and say, hey, we're doing an event at Ventfort Hall in Lenox, Mass, rarely investigated, gorgeous place has some history to it, and we think that the best person that can be there for that event is Brian Cano because we want to make it educational. There's not a lot out there about Ventfort, not a lot that people know for evidence-wise. Nobody's going to be tainted coming in looking to say, I hear somebody knocks on this wall, knock on this wall. You don't have an idea what's going on. Let's open our minds up and see what we can find while we're here. And I didn't think that there was a better person than Brian to do that. Lauren and I talked about it for a long time, and we said, let's do it. And he delivered. These are the type of people that when we run events, we want the event to be that way. We want people to get – take. we want people to walk away going, wow, that was so cool. These people are so cool to talk to. I learned something from them, and I can't wait to see them again sometime. And everybody that's going to be there is that person. So Absolutely. It, yeah, and I'm sorry if it sounds like I'm like woo to my horn, <laughs> but we as a group, I, I sit back and, and and just look at what Lauren and I and, and Mike and what we kind of put together here for SalemCon, and I'm like, I want to go to this thing.
0: <laughs> right. I yeah. Don't, I don't want to. I don't want to run it. I want to go to it. <laughs> and it shows that you put the thought into it and right. in making sure you selected the right people. I mean, and I always tell the story. I think I might have even told it on your show about when you know we first started doing Spooky South Coast, you know, nine years ago now. I was nobody in the paranormal field. I didn't even really know there was a paranormal field. I just knew there was people that were interested in this. And one of the first people that I reached out to to come on the show was John Zaffis. I figured, you know, aim high and just see where you can go from Mm -hmm. there. And and, uh, he called, you know, I called him. I left a message. I found his number online, which you couldn't believe. And (laughs) I called him and I left him a a message. And he called me back just a couple hours later and said, hey, I'm sorry it took me so long to get back to you. And then proceeded to, you know, agree to come on the show. And I told him, listen, you're only going to be our third ever interview." He was fine with that, and and it just shows that some of these people are they remember what it was right. like to be starting out Down and to, and, and to meet, need to make these connections.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had funny story for you. You might relate to this a little bit with me here. I had uh, the opportunity. My gosh, I'm going back probably a year and a half, almost two years ago now. Before before paranormal hangover, before doing a bunch of events, you know, still barely rubbing elbows with anybody who people would call quote unquote famous in the paranormal. And I joined a gym in Methuen, Mass. Called?
0: Uh, drive, Health, and Fitness? Bingo!
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and
2: the person who happens to run Drive, Health, and Fitness was Nick Roth. Everybody knows him, Ghost Adventures. He's also now the producer for Ghost Stalkers, amongst a gazillion other projects that Nick does. Mm-hmm. He took a half hour of his time to give me an interview that I was able to... I, I was had a camera with me, and... Because I was still so starstruck, I whipped out my phone and videoed it on my phone. (laughs) But we did a walkthrough of the gym. He talked about the gym, what his ideas with Drive Health and Fitness were, and then we spent the rest of the time talking about his book, his life, ghost adventures, you know, what might be next. He almost let slip that he was going to be on American Ninja Warrior, and it was way before that even. So there was a, a, a cool half hour of time that Nick took to talk to me and I had I think I had done a phone interview before with Scott Grunwald for my own pod, podcast. That was it. And people watched it and they're like, oh my gosh, that was great. You asked some real good questions. And, you know, I, I really liked when you did this and that. And to me, I'm looking at it going, these are the questions that I liked because when I asked them, you could see that Nick was being from the heart and honest and things made him nervous. Some of the stuff he talked about with, uh, what was it? I think it was King's Tavern. Um, and uh, Linda Vista, you can see his body change and his demeanor change, and these are things that you look in as a person or an investigator or whatever we call ourselves, and you can say, "That's the truth. He's telling me the truth." I'm not saying he ever lied, but when you see somebody's body act that way, and you can go, "That's the truth right there. I believe this guy a hundred percent."
0: Well, what I like about that story is that you know you were going there to, to join the gym and. You know, he's thinking, all right, this guy's into the paranormal. You know, once you start talking, he's like, all right, this guy's into the paranormal. I've got him. You know, he's definitely signing up for a membership no matter what. <laughs> because he's going to be like, all right, he just came to the, you know, to Nick from Ghost Adventures Gym. So he knew that he had you as a customer. Yeah. Uh, so this was a connection that he was making as a as a fellow person, as a fellow investigator. So, yeah. you know, and he's one of the only guys. I mean, there's a handful of people in, in this field that I've encountered that I can say, like, really have a love for doing it. And he's yeah. one of those people. I mean, he's somebody who... Uh, and especially if you know, and if you mentioned his book, and if you read the book, you can find out, but if you know his history, pre-Ghost Adventures, you know that this is something that he was always into, and yeah. I think a lot of times he is more jealous of the rest of us, who can go out and conduct an investigation without 50 other people with us, without a camera crew, mm-hmm. without it yeah. being an event that you know people are paying money to go to. He's he's a little bit uh, jealous that he can't really do that stuff anymore.
2: Yeah, it's good, and... Again I, I could only imagine having that problem but <laughs> but it's uh, it's pretty cool though to, to make like to make that connection and events like Salem con events like uh, Parahistory con and and all you know legend trips, legend tripping it's all that same you get to go in and maybe go to a place with some people that you never would have gone to and never would have known and make some new friendships and maybe learn a little something while you're there. And possibly have an experience, too. And the fact that people will buy tickets after you even say to them, you know, we can't guarantee something's going to happen when you go there, but we're going to do our best that you have a great experience and maybe take something away from it. And people still go, I'm going. I'm buying a ticket. I want to go.
0: Right. And, and so, the yeah. only concern I have, though, is you're putting, you know, you're putting Dustin, Belanger, me, Tobin, Grunwald. we're all going to be in the dark with people. So there, there probably will be a fair amount of jumping out and scaring people, and that's you know, goosing, nice. goosing uh, each other in the dark, and you know, but that's that's just how we are.
1: I expect it from you and Belanger, definitely.
0: I've never met Scott, but I'm sure he's going to fit right in with the rest of us, pretty pretty well.
1: I'm trying
2: to figure out how I'm going to keep him to keep his clothes on. That's what I'm trying to figure out. You know what? Well, Don't.
0: Then. <laughs> so if you want people to start talking about Salem Con two as soon right. as Salem Con one is over, you'll sell nothing tickets helps. ahead of time. Yeah, nudity will help better than anything.
2: Oh, my gosh.
0: Well. <laughs> but we've, we've been talking about the convention. Let's give people the details of it. It's happening April 10th through the 12th uh, yeah. of this year, at you know taking place at the Hawthorne Hotel in Salem.
2: Yes, it is. Um, it'll be happening, like you said, 10th through the 12th. Uh, Friday night will be a, a VIP welcoming party. So ticket holders, uh, if you purchase your VIP tickets, there are VIP party tickets being sold separately, but there is going to be a limit to the tickets. Um the people who hold your VIP pass for the weekend obviously will be admitted into the VIP party as well, and it's going to have everybody. I mean, headlining is Tim Weisberg, and then we'll have people like John Zaffis, and, you know, those guys will be there. Right, I'll but, be the one sitting
0: <laughs> at the bar not socializing with anybody. I'll just turn into the angry paranormal drunk over in the oh corner. Oh, my God. I'm just kidding. No, I, I love talking with people, especially when it's like that and everybody's kind of relaxed, and, you know, and that's what's great about these VIP parties happening first is a chance for everybody to to let down their guard, let out those inhibitions, and then it makes for a much better weekend experience.
2: Exactly. And it's it's you you get that sort of like wow, these guys are a lot of fun and you almost the next day I don't want to say you see shame in some faces. <laughs> but you almost have that like, "Oh, I remember what I did last night." When people are walking around and looking and like, "Oh, you were singing this song and this is at the end of the night, by the way." So You will see that the next day, the embarrassment, the, yeah, I did that last night, didn't I? And um, when you're doing the conference and and the lectures and whatnot, you get that familiar face from the previous night. So you almost feel comfortable interacting and and asking the questions in in these uh, lectures and, and maybe saying some things that you wouldn't normally say because you've already heard probably some of the stories the night before during the VIP party. So you go through all that, and then... You still get to ghost hunt with those guys at night, and I I haven't, and Lauren hasn't, and none of us has said a word yet as to where the locations are going to be, and I still am not going to say anything. I'm so sorry. I'd love to drop a bombshell right now on, on Spooky South Coast, but I can't. Um, wait till you guys hear where the, the locations are for the ghost hunt, because it is, I, I haven't made this clear, but I also didn't say it was going to happen there. It will not be at the Hawthorne Hotel. There will be a wedding after hour conference during the day there, so... That would make for awkward times trying to do an investigation with a bunch of uh, hooting and hollering oh, wedding
0: come on! Come on! If we can, uh, if we can have para history con at the same time as a mom prom. Well, the mom prom. Mom prom. <laughs> there was a mom prom going on. No the way. Same time and, That's and, uh, awkward. It, it definitely made things really weird, especially when you know all the para celebrities that are coming out, you know, thinking that they're studying here, trying to mac to the moms. Oh, the mom prom? Yeah, why didn't anybody
1: the... get this on film? That could have been the whole first episode of our reality show. Talk to,
0: talk to Brian. <laughs> he was the one with, walking around with a camera all weekend. He's probably got something.
1: Oh, my God. He's got to
2: have something. There's got to be – there has to be video. I know there's photos of people that, that took with uh, some of the moms from the mom prom kicking around, but uh it, it was pretty funny. That was – yeah, that was a good time.
0: <laughs>
2: I think the mom prom got kicked out, and we didn't. And <laughs> that's the thing the next day. I'm pretty sure the mom prom was like thrown out of the yep.
0: hotel. They were, they were far more wilder than we were. I
1: was gonna say, how do you even get that wild the mom prom?
0: Oh my god, they were wild. I, 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 sorry, I thought like, if they had just recognized anybody that was there, because you know, we always say that the, the target demo for the paranormal a lot of the time is the, the quote unquote 40 year old housewife right. crowd. So if like some of them had like looked over and seen like, oh my god, there's Dave Schrader. Mm-hmm. You know, like that would have been enough. It's a good thing Tenny couldn't make it to that one. Because I can imagine all he those moms would, would made so that Tenney couldn't make it out of the place.
2: <laughs> it was, uh, I think there was, I had my hotel room was right above the parking lot on the front side. And I think a couple people did get recognized and that tipped everybody else off to stay away from the parking lot. Um, I think there was a little bit of oh my god, that's so and so then Some photos happened, and everybody else was like,
0: "Oops, staying clear." Oh my god! <laughs> and and you were already in Lake George anyway, which uh, was it's a out a, in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, well, and it's also a place where uh, you, know, you know, when when people go out there, it's 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 a honeymoon spot. It's a destination. So okay. people are already feeling a little amorous when they're out in Lake George, <laughs> and so you get a bunch of these uh, these moms who some of them were single and some of them weren't, but were willing to pretend. Yeah. So it was uh, I think crazy. I need
1: to like Google mom prom to even understand the, the concept of this whole entire thing. You don't thing. even know
0: what a mom prom I don't even is? know what a mom prom is. Oh, my is. God. When the kids are having their prom, yep. the moms all get together and they have one somewhere else. So that's yep. what was going on. The, the kids were all having a prom at some other location. And the moms all got together at a hotel and they dressed up in the gowns and they took pictures with each other and they came in limos. And I'm pretty all sure that they though. were drinking out in the parking lot like moms, like uh, right. high school kids would have done. So it was. Uh, it was definitely. So no
1: dates, just moms. I didn't see any dates. That's so weird. Yep,
0: <laughs> it was. And then you got all these drunk guys down. You know, giving all the guys crap afterwards. Like, all right, you should go. Like, I was trying to talk Chris Lutz into the two of us going and crashing the mom prom. Which my my idea was the whole idea that I was trying to sell them on was let's go into the mom prom because they're all of the age that they remember the Amityville right. Horror. Let's go in and say them. Hey, remember the Amityville Horror? Right? This it's is a perfect kid. pickup line. Yeah, like, this is one of the Lutz kids. And let's He be can make serious. a marching band happen while you're sleeping.
1: Half the people <laughs> that were there needed to get laid anyways.
0: That's true. Oh, my gosh. That's true. Oh, we're a podcast only. We can say that. Yeah, I know. We can oh, say
1: that. We're not on the radio.
0: <laughs> but what I like you about... Mean, I could have swore this whole time, and I haven't. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I know. I'm... I
1: keep censoring myself, too, because I'm afraid the one time I do it, I'll actually be on air. <laughs> but I have a potty mouth.
2: Right. That, well, everything goes on Paranormal Hangover, so I'm used to dropping F-bombs and getting drunk while we're doing our show. Oh, see, so. that's
0: awesome. <laughs> and that's what happens at the VIP party, too. So. Oh, does it? Yeah. Uh, well, it, and, but that's what's great, is we're talking about, you know, the, the idea that you can kind of let all those inhibitions go, and then when you get into the actual meat of the conference on Saturday, when people can come and they can experience some of the lectures, and, and let's just run down the guests real quick, uh, because we've been kind of hinting at a few, a few of them are, but let's just let everybody know who's coming
2: yeah, absolutely. We've got uh, I'll start with the name everybody should should know who's gonna be there, John Zappas, the Godfather of Paranormal. I mean, that was when I think of a conference, I can't think of a, why you wouldn't have John Zappas at a conference, I mean, the guy's just he's so full of knowledge and and he is fun to be around too. So John Zappas is gonna be there. Um, Dustin Parry, the Paranormal rock star, He's gonna be hanging out with us that weekend too. he's he's gonna be back on the air with ghost hunters this season. So having Dustin around and, and getting to hear some of the locations they've been going to again and what he's been up to before, during, and after his time with, in between, and then back with Ghost Hunters. Um, we've got Scott Grunwald. I've been friends with Scott for a few years now. The, the guy is just, he's pure awesomeness. I love talking with him. I wish he lived a lot closer to us because, to me, he's the type of person that would be my friend every day. I'd, I'd hang out with him, watch TV with him, and you know probably get in trouble with him too. But Scott's a great guy. So Scott Grunwald, if you don't know who he is, you, you've got to look him up. Paranormal paparazzi. He was on Paranormal Challenge. Um, he had his own web show called Paranormal Stew. Uh, Scott is is a, a songwriter extraordinaire. Um, if you don't know, just check out YouTube. You'll you'll find plenty of videos by him. And he is working on a new song for uh, Salem Con, and my dad.
0: Nice. Um,
2: there's also, uh, Scott, Lauren, and I have a, a surprise for everyone, um, during the VIP party. Uh, that's going to be, it's not going to be a song and dance, but I think it's going to be a real good time. So we're not going to let anybody in on it until that night. Um, you're going to have John Tobin coming out of retirement for one show only. <laughs> He's coming to, to the Salem Con. He'll be giving a lecture as well. Uh, John Tobin was on my ghost story. He's had a few movie appearances with *A Grim Becoming* and and um, he was in uh, uh, *Surviving Evidence*. And he's John is a mentor to me. Uh, I know he's a mentor to Lauren. He's a mentor to a lot of people in this area uh, up in the Northeast. Uh, great guy, very knowledgeable. Uh, again, another fun person to be around. But he's very serious about the paranormal. And even though he has stepped away from the limelight doesn't mean he's not still passionate and doesn't still stay involved in the paranormal in some capacity. Uh some guy named uh Jeff Jeff Belanger, I, I think that's his name. I believe it's pronounced Bellinger or Bel-
0: Belanger. Belanger.
2: Belanger. Jeff <laughs> Hef, <laughs> Hef, Belanger, you will be uh Jeff Belanger is going to be there uh alleging leg, uh, le- can I stutter with myself a little bit more? Sorry <laughs> folks. Alleged tripper, <laughs> uh Jeff you know, writer-researcher for Ghost Adventures. He's got a ton of projects also that he works on, uh, a few books. Uh, he was uh, co-wrote Nick Groff's Chasing Spirits book with him. And, uh, again, another brilliant person that I, I really can't wait to hear from and hear what he's going to have to say at the conference as well. Um, there's Tim Weisberg. That guy's coming. I don't know if you all know who he is, but, you know, I had to add him in because I, I just felt bad and Jeff and not Tim. But, but.
0: Well also Belanger needs somebody to carry in all of his stuff. <laughs> right.
2: So his rider was ridiculous for this thing, by by the way, so you're he, gonna have a lot of stuff to carry.
0: Yeah, he's not kidding about those brown M and Ms either.
2: Oh my god. Don't don't this skimp out ridiculous.
0: don't skimp out and get the uh, you know, the bag of all the different colors. it has to be all brown.
2: What about the Swedish fish? Am I gonna have a problem now?
0: Uh, you don't have to worry about those because everybody brings them for him. Okay. So like everybody right. that comes to the convention will be bringing Swedish fish. I don't even know if he eats them anymore. Yes, he does. <laughs> I don't even know if he can... Is, can his body still physically digest them? I don't know. from all the intake. Uh, his doctor looks at his x-rays and he's like... There's fish one, swimming yeah, around inside. Yeah, just one big giant red glob of glue. In, mm-hmm. that <laughs> oh, that's
2: horrible. I actually, I actually experimented those mixed in with a drink. I can't remember what the drink was because... Clearly, the drink was fantastic. I just don't remember what I took my Swedish fish in, but they tasted great afterwards. Well, coming we're
1: going to have to do that
0: at the party with Jeff. I was going to say, coming
1: from a former bartender, uh, you can mix just the right alcohol for it to taste exactly like a Swedish fish. You don't even need to put them inside. So.
0: Oh, my God. Oh, d- oh. Are you volunteering to then bartend at the VIP party? I will, stuff,
1: I will b- volunteer. If I'm making money, I don't care. I'll do whatever. <laughs> <laughs> <We> <laughs> all Swedish all fish <laughs> drinks for everybody. <laughs> Signature yeah, drink of the night.
2: We also have Brian Cano coming. Uh, Brian also was on Haunted Collective with John. Uh, He's done SCARED, his own project with Chris McCusso for years. And uh, Brian is still very, very active in what he does. He also does a college lecture series in the fall. Um, Still doing experiments, still doing projects. He is, to me, one one of the best minds in the paranormal. And not just paranormal, best minds in general that you would want to sit and have a conversation with because uh, Brian knows a lot about a lot, and he has no problem opening that mind up even further to have a discussion about your ideas, too. So I really enjoy having spent time talking with Brian, and and I, I dare say formed a friendship, and, and Lauren is, has a fantastic friendship with Brian as well. Uh, the two of us are really looking forward to having him at this event, too, because film's uh, a pretty cool place, and, and you all, Tim, Jeff, John, John, Brian, Dustin, and Scott, I think this is a great group of people to have in this area to open up the history, open up everybody's minds to what's what's happened in the past and what we're going to be going through when we do our investigations after the conference is over. So I think it's going to be pretty fun. It's going to be a good time.
0: I mean, we can talk a little bit about Haunted Salem, and uh, but then I don't want you to have to give away too many of the locations because you're trying to keep those under wraps. But what we can do is we can have you come back as we get closer to the event, and we can talk about the history of some of the individual locations that people are going to investigate. But just overall, uh, the city has a very rich history, and it's not just the witch history either, which is what a lot of people know, but there's a lot of hauntings that take place there that may or may not be tied to the witch trials.
2: Right. That's absolutely true. There's That you got to remember, yes, the witch hauntings happened, the witch trials happened, but they only happened for a very short time. It wasn't decades of witch trials and, and witch hysteria. It was a very short time. And it all happened until the governor's wife got accused, and then everything went to crap after that. And they were like, oh, we can't accuse anybody anymore because we just made a boo-boo and accused the wrong woman. Um, but the whole area starts with the history of America, modern-day America, if you will. I'm not trying to step on the natives and, and who was here when... You know, the whole Plymouth Rock happened and everybody landed in the northeast, this has been a melting pot. This is the first coast that everybody hits when they came over from Europe, when they came across the seas. They hit the east coast, and the northeast especially was a spot where a lot of our history began. And so, whether you're walking into Salem or Danvers or Boston or the Cape or wherever it might be, there's been a lot more than just You or I who have stepped on this land, there's so much history in this area. There's a lot more dead people up here than there are alive. There's a lot more energy up here than there is that we brought. I I think it's an area that whether it's witches or a bar fight or a a document signing, it's here. And it's definitely alive in, in the Northeast up here.
1: Do you feel, personally, that since we have so much history and it's susceptible for hauntings, that even now when things happen, it's just easier for haunts to occur?
2: Um, I'm not so sure if the the fact that we have so much history that it makes it easier. Um, I think that maybe our actions agitate things a bit. Um, Our actions can bring about stuff that um, maybe... Was I don't want to say dormant, but you know, let's. I want a, a quick example, and this may or may not answer your question. I apologize, but I was walking through Boston the other day with Lauren, and we were walking past the cemetery where Paul Revere and John Hancock are buried.
1: Which is a really cool place. It's amazing. I love it. But it, we walked by there,
2: and I'm like, look at all these people just walking by who have no idea
1: mm-hmm. who's
2: lying in that cemetery right now. They have no idea that our founding fathers, some of them are dead and in that cemetery and they just walk by every day. You should stop and walk in there and pay homage to them before you continue on walking down that street because we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for those people.
1: I, um, for my first wedding anniversary, (laughs) we were already in Boston and my husband took me on the, um, God, I can't even think, the trail.
0: The Freedom Trail? Yes, thank you, the Freedom Freedom
1: Trail. And, that's all I wanted to do for years upon years. I just wanted to go on the Freedom Trail because I went for a, a high school field trip one day, and oh. I loved it. I love the history of it. I love the little things, even the, the recent news about the time capsules being found that were put, um, you know, together years mm-hmm. and years and years ago. I love that history. Um But a lot of people over the years have said, you know, oh, because we have so much going on already, because of the history, because of um, old hauntings. That when new things occur, you know, if somebody were to die tomorrow in a tragic way, it's just easier for our area, New England, to be haunted even more. Uh, So I like to get people's opinions on that, especially when they bring it up, because we'll never know the answer. But I can, you know,
2: I can I can agree with that to the point that I I think if the area is already energized then, sure, I, I, a little bit more energy mm-hmm. being introduced can help, you know, spark that. And I, I can I can agree with, with it to that point. Um, I think that's kind of like what I was trying to say, where, yeah, I guess we're on the same page. <laughs> 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 I agree with you.
0: <laughs> well, we, we do. We do t- tend to absorb those ghost stories. That's why we have right. the older ghosts. We have the, the newer stories. Mm-hmm. You know, and everything has the potential to becoming part of our haunted uh, history and legends here. And, and I think Salem Con is just going to be the next step in the evolution of that. I'm excited because I'm going to be presenting, at least in the preliminary discussions that we've had, Mark, I'm going to be talking about some of the alternative theories of what ghosts could be. Yep. So, Which So it doesn't very interesting. just have to be a dead
1: person. Right.
2: I'm excited to hear about that. And, and you know, it's. I, I can't wait to hear the lecture you're putting together for for this conference. And and I really hope, I don't hope, I know that everyone else is, is going to deliver a fantastic uh, lecture. I, I, I'm enjoying the fact that on some of them, I think I'm asking people to step out of their the comfort zone a little bit with the, um, you know, not you're not going to talk about your show or you're not going to talk about everything you're well known for, talk about something different, talk mm-hmm. about a theory. And um, I really have been getting uh, good feedback. I know Lauren's been getting good feedback too. The two of us have been hearing a lot um, from people that like the fact that this is going to be a little bit different than just uh, going and saying, hey, I know those people from TV that you're going to hear maybe something a little different out of them that you might not have normally heard.
0: Well, and when you get the chance to go to something like this, again, you said it's very affordable, only $10 to go for the day, but also there's a ghost hunt associated with it, as you were mentioning, at locations to be announced later, but you you have the chance to really get in there, roll up your sleeves, and take everything that you've then learned and, and put it to use. So there's you're going to have a lot of people that are, you know, very much into the subject matter and very much into the field, and are going to want to come and investigate. But you're also going to have people who might have never thought about doing it until they went to the event and said, you know, this is something now that I want to try for myself, and uh, and they'll have the chance to actually experience it for themselves. Yeah, and you
2: know, it's something that I've, I've never really understood is why everybody is so critical of people who are new and coming into the field because. You were new ones, and you wanted to be received in this field as somebody who could maybe, uh, I guess, maybe make a difference someday. And I listen to people all the time say, well, I'm not in this to be famous. I'm in this to research and and do my baloney. Because if you caught the the holy grail of all evidence, you wouldn't keep it to yourself. You would show it to everyone. And in some way, we all want to be remembered someday for something we've done either in our normal jobs, in our personal life, or maybe in the paranormal. doesn't necessarily mean you're a celebrity and you're on TV. But all of us, deep down inside, want somebody to remember something we did. That means it contributed to the field, and that means that we did something right. And I'm not talking about holding a conference like Salem Con, or no offense to you or I having a, a podcast or a radio show. I'm talking about finding a piece to the next step mm-hmm. in the research portion of, of everything that we do.
0: Well, Mark, thank you very much for joining us and and for discussing not only your work in the field but also Salem Con. Again, it's coming up. It's happening April 10th through the 12th at the Hawthorne Hotel. That's at 18 Washington Square in West Salem, Massachusetts. Uh, a great reason to come out to Salem for an entire weekend, to spend the weekend there, to learn about the history, to learn about the paranormal. And the the best part about it is you come up, you go to the VIP party on Friday, you go to the uh, convention itself and the ghost hunt on Saturday, and then on Sunday there's even more stuff for you to explore before you head home. So It's definitely a great place, and it's about time somebody put on something like this there.
2: I appreciate that. Oh, tickets are available on mghparanormal.com. Vendor tables, there's still a sponsorship spot available. But uh, the ticket packages, there's several different levels of ticket packages available.
0: And check it out. And make sure you jump on them quick because there are a limited number of some of these VIP tickets available. So you want to make sure that you get in and that you get the full experience. Correct. All right. Well, thank you, Mark, for joining us, and we look forward to talking to you again down the line.
2: Thank you, Tim and Stephanie.
0: All right, take care.
1: Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: All right, well, that was a great discussion with Mark, and I, I love the fact that, you know, being podcast only, we can kind of let our hair down a little bit, so to speak, and we can really get into the meat and potatoes of some of the discussion. And this is the kind of talk that we'll be having at Salem SalemCon, and, uh, and I know that I'll be there because, you know, I'm one of the guests. But, uh, Stephanie, hopefully you can come for it.
1: I'd love to go. I'd love back to go back to Salem anyways, but it seems like it's going to be a lot different than... The usual con that we're all used to attending, especially with the education part.
0: Matt Costa, hopefully you can make it up there too. Although um, I'm probably going to need you to be here in the morning because mm. I have to do the Saturday morning show from Salem. Oh, do you? Yes. Wow, well, that's news to me. Uh, well, it's not till I was going <laughs> to tell you eventually, but it's not till April. That's fine. That's so, right. I'll the, just uh, uh, swing by and pick oh, you up, it's up April, the space car. Fine. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and then you guys can all kind of carpool up and yeah, it's not too far. No, oh, it's only yeah. a couple hours. Yeah. And it's only a couple of hours because you got to go back roads once you get to it. Otherwise it'd be right. like a 45 50 minute drive. Is but it
1: in Salem itself? It's in West yeah. Salem, yep, at the Hawthorne okay. Hotel. Yeah, yeah. So
0: Yeah. Yeah, we'll be able to uh we'll be able to come out in full force and you can come and meet the spooky crew. I'm sure Moniz will make his way up there too and uh we'll have a great time. And and the best part about it is, Matt, you got to take the Friday night off and get the VIP ticket. Oh. I'll,
1: I I got connections. I'll all see right, if I can get you right.
0: to the VIP party. Because you are a VIP. So. Oh, yes. You VIP I'm let's very... kick it.
1: You are kind of a big deal. <laughs> let's be serious.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you missed part of the inter- you missed the interview where where you know Mark was talking about what a huge star you are. Oh yeah? No.
1: Can no. we just get you a t-shirt at least that says insert, my penis smells like insert Play-Doh. that into
0: our post. We will. We'll, we'll, what's up?
1: I said can we at least get you a t-shirt to wear at the VIP party that says my penis smells like Play-Doh?
0: Yes. I don't see why not. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> With well, a picture of awesome. a cat That's, on it too. It's, it's oh, my, the cat my my has icebreaker. <laughs> Remember when you used to play with Peto in your kid? That's what it's going to be called. It's going to be now called pedo now. <laughs> right now, Hasbro's like, hmm, what can we do with this right. mascot? I love it. <laughs> Petey Penis, the Play Doh mascot. All right, well, I guess we should probably wrap up this show. And uh, we'll actually be back coming up next week, back to the airwaves we will return live. And uh, let me do the math in my head. I don't even know what week that'll be. We'll have some guests. Uh, Uh, Booked for that show. So until then, for Matt, for Matt, for Stephanie, I'm Tim. We want you all to stay spooktacular.